Welcome, welcome, welcome in to Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Thanks for being with us. 46862 is how you reach us, as always, on the text line. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. If it's a comment, a question, a rant, we take all of it on the text line. Coming up on the show today, Anthony Richardson returns to throwing for the Colts, plus college leaders pushing for NCAA tournament expansion yet again. Record ratings can't even save jobs at Paramount, and... Anthony Richardson making progress. We'll get to this in hour number two. Now the Colts need to get him talent. Talk about uh, some of the key offseason moves the Colts need to make. Plus, the power conferences, what all NCAA control. About time the NCAA calls their bluff on this. And Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately, unwilling to take the bait on the NFL being rigged and the whole conspiracy. We'll play some audio uh, after 8.30 for you. And and did you did you see this? We have not one but two stories to close out with. Justin. Oh no, we do. do yeah, we? A, huh. a story about a stingray. So, I did uh, see this story. Feeling the love somehow, <laughs> uh, and an unfortunate story. The inventor of the pop tart. Oh man, has passed away. I already had pop tarts this morning. Yeah, so you 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 did it in honor. Yes, I did. I so uh, yes, I pointed to the to the heavens when I <laughs> ate my warmed up brown sugar cinnamon pop tarts. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. You have big plans tonight? Nope. Nope. Sure don't. Did you guys do anything for Valentine's Day? Uh not 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 since we had kids. You just kind of Fair. They <laughs> they get the center. In fact, I'm probably gonna work late tonight. So yeah. Just another day. Just as long as the <laughs> kids are happy, I guess, and they got some stuff. They already opened it up last night, so uh that's the priority in our house. But do you do you give them like stuff for Valentine's Day? Well, I don't. I mean, well, I my mean, wife, wife does. does. Uh, yeah. yeah, they got a couple things yesterday. I mean, Morris didn't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Noah got a Lego and a album. He got the Green Day American Idiot album, nice. which is what he's been wanting. So wait, they get gifts for Valentine's Day? Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. next level. Oh, I know. I mean, they got plenty of candy too, but they usually get like one or two things. Wow. Too so. Um, I'd just be got, happy to get a little candy yeah. personally. Maybe that's why we don't do anything else for Valentine's Day because they <laughs> spend too much money on the kids. But Morrison got a couple books, and then yeah. So now we don't do much today. But I know you guys are going out to eat, right? Yeah, tonight? we're we're going out to eat at a local place. Um, we've been there before. I think for Valentine's Day before as well. Oh, is so, it? Did you have to get reservations or? Yeah, well, and I reserved it like a week ago, and it's still at five fifteen. Ah. <laughs> Which is funny because we normally eat dinner that early anyway. So. <laughs> you guys roll people when yeah. it comes to eat? It just, normally when you go out to eat, you know, you want it to be six or later. Sure. But whatever. We'll, we'll make we'll make the best. <laughs> well, enjoy everybody who's celebrating Valentine's Day today. Uh, enjoy. Appreciate you tuning in this morning. Absolutely. And don't forget, you can always listen to us on your phone with the 1380 Fan mobile app. That's free to download and listen. Uh, on your laptop, computer, what have you, 1380thefan.com on the live stream or on your smart speaker as well. And if you miss anything on the show today, if you want to catch up on yesterday, you can always download the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, all for free. It'll be up uh, after about 10, 30, 11 o'clock or so each and every day. So we get to headlines this morning. And the NFL not only had record ratings for the Super Bowl, but take that next level, record-setting women's viewership 
in ratings. Not that this is a Shocker. surprise, but that's the Taylor Swift effect. Uh, 58.8 million women watched the Super Bowl, most ever, increased at 9% from last year. Um, so that's obviously a positive. The 18 to 34 demographic up uh, higher a percentage than the total from last year. So it's it's the Taylor Swift effect. We, we all knew this, but the numbers bear that out as far as the, the data for women watching the Super Bowl. No surprises here. And uh, just a, a further boost to the NFL is with the, the Taylor Swift effect. So 10% more viewers for 18 to 34, good for 23 million viewers. Uh, and women, 47.5% of the total audience. Impressive. Yes. Very impressive numbers for the NFL. Absolutely. But so. I know my wife was like locked in throughout the entire game. So, uh, I mean, she was, oh, Taylor Swift is fine, but at least my wife watched it and uh, was very much locked into the game as opposed to Taylor Swift. But plenty of people and women tuned in and, and, and maybe tuned in first for Taylor Swift, but, uh, you know, have stuck around. Well, because they're Chiefs fans now. Well, yeah, of course. Everybody's got to be Chiefs fans now with Travis Kelsey. Are are the Chiefs the actual America's team? It's not the Cowboys. They're currently America's team. I don't know if it... uh, I think it it kind of goes around each uh, to different teams. I I get that people like hate dynasties and they hate, you know, team... But like, I just... I can't. I can't do it. I can't get on board with the... too likable. I know. Andy Reid, too likable. Yeah. Right? So I can't get a... On now, are, the, now are there too many cheesy commercials featuring oh, those guys on? Yeah, 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 yes, but whatever. I guess that's what you have to deal with. But as far as the the Chiefs as a team, they're just they're not a hateable team. No, there's no scandal. You have a there's a, no Deflate Gate. No, there's no you know unstable people. There's, there's no, no Hernandez's or anything. Player that's you know dirty that you just. You and can't then, come on, locally, with. you got Drew Tranquil. I mean, come yeah, on. What's not to like? I agree, but I, I'm sure there are people out there who are sick of the Chiefs winning all the time. And not just people who are fans of the of teams in that same division. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because that that's the obvious starting point. Or 49ers fans. Also, speaking of the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan says that the team did uh, go through scenarios for playoff games he says he sat down with the team's analytics staff before the postseason run uh, to go over scenarios for a game that might reach overtime. Um, Niners not been involved in an overtime game in the playoffs since the rules changed. Um, do you buy this? No. I think Kyle Shanahan's trying to cover his ass. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, I, I will continue to harp that it doesn't make any sense to get the ball first. In overtime, especially and listen to the sports rush yesterday. Brett Rump made a great point, especially when you're playing Patrick Mahomes. Okay, is you give him, uh, you, you want to try to force him. You want to you want to react based on what Patrick Mahomes is doing. Okay, you don't want to put the game in his hands if at all possible, and if you um, have him go first, you don't necessarily do that. Because you're still going to get another chance, regardless. But Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs knew exactly what they had to do. They had all four downs to work the ball down the field, if need be. And on one set of downs, they needed the fourth down. Whatever Kyle Shanahan is saying now is trying to offset the um, the narrative from the last couple of days that he had no idea what was going on 
And I continue to believe that was the case. And, and it's not just Shanahan who's talking. Niners GM John Lynch pointed out the Niners defense adjustment on the field, you know, in the final nah, drive. That's not. I don't and saying, that. you know, he said, when you're playing Mahomes, you're chasing him a lot. So there's a lot of effort that's expended. Uh, whatever. I mean, you get a break. You have plenty of breaks with the commercials, and it's the Super Bowl. Like, man up. Yeah. I don't buy it. I, I, it's. It's trying to uh, to change the narrative, but the narrative has already been set with the 49ers. Well, yes, and it they they, they created the narrative. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's like, not us. It's you them. screwed up. Uh, meanwhile, in college football, the college football playoff and ESPN have agreed to a six year extension worth one point three billion dollars per year. Uh, I saw this um, case made yesterday, last night. So somebody tweeted. Do you think that the college football playoff should not be an all-encompassing entity in terms of media rights? Do you think that other... I, should it be broken down by round and different networks can vie for those? Or split up the first, second round game, stuff like that? Or are you fine with it being all with one network? Um, If someone's willing to pay all that money, that's fine. I I think it's silly considering all the other sports properties ESPN has. Um, I think they should have three partners being or four partners, right? And and rotate kind of like the Super Bowl, you know, rotates between the partners every year. If you have ESPN, you have Fox, you have CBS, you have NBC, right? Those are the four Mm -hmm. bulk partners. So you could have the campus round, the what is it? Then you have campus, the quarterfinals. quarterfinal, semifinal, championship. So there's four, right? There's right. four different rounds. Four rounds. So you just rotate around. One one gets the championship one year. The next year they get the first round. I, I don't know. To me, that would make sense. But if someone's willing to pay all of it, like yeah. this means willing to to do, then you move on. But yeah, I don't ESPN, know if that's to their benefit. To be honest. ESPN paying a lot of money for the college football playoff the next six years. Remember, they've never done it like this before. So I understand that maybe initially there's going to be rating success, but we saw how much ratings were hurt over the years playing games on New Year's Eve, which was always so silly. Like, I never understood that. They couldn't work around that, and it killed ratings for that event. So we shall see, but uh, a lot of money. Meanwhile, uh, in basketball, Shaquille O'Neal. Has his number retired by the Orlando Magic? Is number thirty-two. Um, so he's the first, um, you know, really big star they had. You know, we talked about when they announced that they were going to do this. Um, yeah, Penny Hardaway was a star, but Shaq was the star. Yeah, of this team. Pretty cool to see. We had mentioned it too that it, it was surprising that it took this long for Shaq's number thirty-two to be retired by Orlando, but he was the uh, first rookie of the year for the Magic, first All-NBA selection, first player to make an All-Star game in a Magic uniform, obviously the first big-time superstar, and... Um, now the first player to have their jersey Now they're first to have a retired in, in Orlando's 35th season, the NBA. So already, uh, this, is, this, is, this is wild, too. Uh, Shaq already has his th- number 34 retired by the Lakers and number 32 re- retired by the Heat. So he's and, the third player to have his jersey retired by three franchises, joining Wilt and Pete Maravich. And the original franchise that drafted him was the last one to retire his number. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. 
well, it probably doesn't help that he left them, you know, just a few years in. Yeah. Um, you know, what was he with? Four seasons? Five seasons? Yeah. Four. Orlando. But, uh, no, it was, uh, it was cool to see last night for Shaq. And Shaq, again, joins an elite list and, you know, they have a Kobe statue unveiling. And then now Shaq gets a jersey. Shaq, yeah, now, it goes did, back and forth. Did you hear the story about where he was living when he when he got uh, in Orlando? No. So he said uh, his first few months in the city, he was living in an airport hotel with his entire <laughs> family. And by the time that the uh, Magic talked to him about, hey, you need to buy a house, he had already racked up $900,000 in uh the hotel bill whoa <laughs> he said he had a nine hundred thousand dollar hotel bill was that uh, able to be negotiated uh, <laughs> i don't I didn't get the rest of the story but that was uh they he, switched to a monthly rate instead of a nightly rate he, he basically so like i learned how to be a pro in orlando i, I was just living at a hotel uh airport hotel and uh for months and then they finally told me, hey, you should probably kind of like, you know, get a house or something. <laughs> said it was a $900,000 hotel bill. That's I'm absurd. Sure, I'm sure it wasn't just like, you know, overnights. I'm sure he was ordering this, that, oh, and the yeah. other and, you know, lavish stuff and too. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> interesting story there. History in Major League Baseball. Jenny Kavnar has been hired as the A's primary play-by-play announcer uh, for NBC Sports uh, Athletics. Uh, on NBC Sports California, first female primary play-by-play voice in MLB history. That's She's cool. filled in before, worked for the Rockies for quite some time, but she'll be the first primary person. She did fill in back in 2018. Oh, pretty cool to see. Um, now, she'll be calling A's games. Yeah. So nobody will really see her. Uh, she'll be with Dallas Braden calling A's game, but still pretty tremendous opportunity uh, for a female, so congratulations to Kavnar. Yeah, and and the A's again continuing to go through their mess. A development group aims to buy the athletic share of the Coliseum, so <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. see what what happens with that uh, as the A's try to navigate their new stadium and and everything. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals uh, have unveiled plans for a ballpark in downtown Kansas City. Uh, this would be blocks away from the T-Mobile Center, the Power and Light District. So, again, right now, their stadium right next to Arrowhead Stadium is part of a, a complex, but they're looking to move, and this would be, again, downtown Kansas City, Missouri. Um, see about 34,000 fans, 3,000 less fans than Kauffman Stadium. Royals hopeful it would be ready for the 2028 season. Looks really cool. Yeah, it does. Renderings look really cool. Kauffman Stadium is an aging stadium, and I see it all the time when I drive out to uh, Colorado because it's right along the highway in uh, around Kansas City. But definitely in need of a new stadium, and you know, downtown stadiums are in. It looks pretty cool with the skyline and everything of Kansas City. So we'll see if this gets done the next couple of years for the Royals. Yeah, again, projects always look, look cool, but let's let's see how <laughs> this moves forward or not. That's always the question. With these projects. And, uh, yeah. And it's adjacent to what the uh, T-Mobile Center. T-Mobile Center. Yes. So, so which, which hosts NCAA tournament games. Um, that would, I assume, be where Kansas City's ECHL team plays. Um, Kansas City Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they have other events. But uh, 
pretty cool looking renderings of that stadium. We'll see if it if it comes to be. And it looks like it's very much below street level. Mm-hmm. So like when you come in, at least like it looks like you're kind of halfway up already. Just kind of cool looking. So we'll see if this gets built. Absolutely. And unfortunately, uh, we have the jinx. So Indiana State, <laughs> first game as a ranked team since Larry Bird was with them in 1979. Well, they go out and lose to lowly Illinois State last At night. home by double digits. Yeah. Not pretty. Now, does this basically put Indiana State in a have to win? Yes. I, I agree. They have to win the Valley Tournament to get into the they, tur- If NCAA they tournament. won out in the regular season, won in and made it to like the semifinals or the final, I think they'd have a chance. But now, due to this loss, they, they have to win the Valley Tournament. they got to win Arch yeah. Madness, plain and simple. Yep, and it, uh, it was fun while it lasted. But uh, Indiana State will drop out of the top 25. Right, already some week. haters. Uh, someone saying, how about them Sycamores on the text line? Another Man. one. Uh, Sycamores just can't win when it matters. Sign Matt Painter. <laughs> Yikes. Ouch! People jumping on the yeah. Sycamores this morning. Brutal. And one other note, Fort Wayne FC and USL2, the divisions are set, and they will be in the Valley Division again with Cleveland, Dayton, Kingshammer, Toledo, and Buffalo again for the upcoming season. I continue to be confused as to why they're not in the Great Lakes Division. Doesn't uh, make much sense, does that, it? That's just me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of divisions and lead, all that stuff to try to extend it. But, but I do like the fact that they're still with the King's Hammer. Yes. Like that's great the, name. Just a great, great name. I believe they're Cincinnati. Yes, they are. So yep. great name uh, for a soccer club. All right. 46862. If you have any thoughts, plus uh, Anthony Richardson, our final headline back throwing again. He resumed throwing activities yesterday working out in the offseason in Jacksonville after he was cleared by doctors to throw. He's also reportedly six to eight weeks ahead of schedule after his shoulder surgery in healing that AC joint shoulder sprain that he suffered in week five and win against the Titans. So throwing the offseason, this is a big first step for Richardson and the Colts moving forward. It is, and the the clo- the sooner he can get back to 100%, you don't want to rush him, but the sooner he can get back to 100% and start throwing and get, start getting reps and, and throwing to receivers and all that stuff is, uh, is going to be very, very important because the Indianapolis Colts on the rise, you could say, after last season, but it's still going to really be on the shoulders of Anthony Richardson on how far they can rise, and you saw flashes. Last season, he also saw flashes of maybe a reckless quarterback that needs to learn some things as well. So we'll see how year two of Anthony Richardson goes. But the more he can get in the offseason in terms of preparing for year two, the better. Coming up in hour number two, we'll discuss some of the Colts' key offseason moves. And obviously that starts with adding more pieces for Anthony Richardson if they're going to be able to get to the playoffs and make any sort of a run. you got to add more talent on offense, let alone on defense as well. We'll talk about some of the Colts' offseason priorities after the top of the hour. Coming up on the other side, college leaders continue their push for NCAA and college football playoff expansion. I'll give you the details on that next and why I'm still not convinced this is actually going to happen. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 
Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, a little bit of Nirvana here on a Wednesday. Thanks for being with us. 46862 is your text line number. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. We'll get to your texts throughout the course of the show this morning. And uh, hopefully you'll have some thoughts on this one. College leaders are pushing once again for NCAA tournament expansion, along with college football playoff expansion. So they're looking at a new athlete compensation model, more NCAA deregulation, overhaul the college football playoff revenue distribution, NCAA tournament expansion. And with that, so the, the power six, as it stands now, when you're talking basketball, that includes the Big East and, of course, the Pac-12 for this year, they earn 70% of the $200 million in NCAA tournament units, as they call them, that are doled out to the different conferences. So they're already making the bulk of the revenue. Obviously, they they, they won 100%. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, but the, the Big Ten and SEC with their little, I, I don't even know what you want to call their thing, partnership, which I think is hilarious because when it comes down to it, they'll still want to burn each other. Yeah, and all is said to, and done. But it's almost like, I don't know why they just don't partner with the ACC and Big 12 too. Like you're the four power players, well, but I know the Big 10 and SEC is like a cut above. But Yes, they they view themselves as we're responsible for right. all the all the change in college athletics, well, all that They nonsense. are in the position of power. Yes, they are. And normally uh, they meet with the NCAA president and NCAA officials you know, on a, a monthly basis with all the conferences and Big Ten and SEC kind of splitting off, according to an article, kind of sound like, oh, this is a, a slight change from what they've been doing, but they don't believe that that will get in the way. But with all this to say, th- this sounds great and it's all talk, right? And it's someone feeding a reporter because they they think they can stand to benefit from it. But the reality is, until they want to take on the liability... I don't buy for a second that any of this stuff is going to happen. I do believe the NCAA basketball tournament will be expanded. I, I, do, I do too, eventually. That's, that's inevitable. But I guess the, the question I have with all that is the NCAA has the TV contract. It's not in the conferences. Unlike you know with college football, that's the college football playoff. It's separate from the NCAA. College football could split off, and that makes sense. But with basketball, I just feel like it's a different beast. But I think the NCAA is for expansion, too, with the NCAA tournament. Because Are that they? means more money. Oh, yeah. It's more money. But uh, I've not read or heard NCAA officials saying they're eyeing tournament. It's always coaches and ADs yeah, no, and I mean, presidents. Well, here's the thing. It's, it's twofold. A, the NCAA is going to want more money. More teams means more money. And two, if the majority of conferences and programs are for it. The NCAA is going to try to appease them because what little power they have, they don't want to go against their constituency, basically. So the NCAA is going to do Inevitably, the NCAA tournament is expanding, whether that's 72, whether it's 80, whether it's 96, who knows for sure, but it is going to expand at some point. But it's, it's just humorous to me that they're already talking about the the overhaul of the college football playoff when we haven't <laughs> right? even had a 12-team playoff yet. Like, they, they haven't even figured this out, but again, they want to make sure they can get more spots because they're set to vote on that 5 plus 7 model uh, February 20th, so coming up next week. 
And that it used to be six plus six, and then the Pac-12 dissolved because of conferences eating each other. But the um, thing is, the Pac-12 still has a veto vote. Yeah. The Pac-2. That's what's so hilarious about this. And, and the Pac-12 did just uh, fire their commissioner. Uh, finally. Yeah. Yes. But the Pac-12 still, Pac-2, effectively still has a veto vote for whatever they're voting for in regards to the college football playoffs, which is, which is hysterical. And that's why I, I find everything that's happening there. I mean, as long as they have the veto, right? I don't see how stuff is going to change because they're going to want to make sure they're included and they have a shot to get uh, an automatic bid in wherever they're playing. I, so the revenue distribution model for the college football playoff right now, how familiar are you with it? Uh, how much? Not, the, not very. The I mean, I know... Get? now it, it i mean it's all, automatic bids they they get a certain amount right i mean it's all money driven obviously so the leagues the conferences basically want more a bigger piece of the college football playoff revenue pie it's basically what's going on but in terms of format um you can't expand it much more currently you have a team if they want to win a national title have to win four additional games unless you get a buy and you have to win three it's a lot more games. Yes. So you can't expand it that much more. And you're already having 15 and 0 national champions. Yeah. Like I, 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 part of me wonders, it's like, do we, and I get it. They're not going to drop this stuff because it's all about money. But like, do we cut the regular season back down a game or two? Uh, they're not going to do that. I know. I, th- I think in terms of format, I, I think maybe the, the leagues want more say in terms of format. Like they would love to get to a point where they're guaranteed at least two teams. Yes. That's really what this is about. Three teams. I, I, I don't necessarily know if they want to expand it as a, as much as protect their teams as much as possible. And the sec and big 10 is going to lead that charge. I think they would like to say, okay, both of our teams that are in the, the, in the conference championship game are assured of getting into the playoff, which then completely marginalizes the conference championship games. And I would be totally for, getting rid of conference championship game weekend. But of course that's not going to happen. No, because it's money. But I guess like at some point, kind of like the NFL is dealing with now where they want to keep, you know, they want to add an 18th regular season game, right? At some point though, are you asking too much of oh, definitely. players? And it's just like, the, if you win in the college football playoff, now you're looking at if and you play in the first round. So you have, 12 games plus a conference championship game plus you have to win what three more games so that's 16 games yeah and the NFL is playing has there ever been a team season? even play 16 games in a season I don't including think postseason so. I mean I know we have 15 and0 I've never I can never recall 16 and0 and here's the thing is you are having the look we already talked about it at the beginning of the show a billion dollars paid for the next six years. For the college football playoff rights, how much of that is going to the athletes? None. I mean, maybe through the schools and getting it, but but they're not getting a direct payment. And still, when you look at the conferences trying to um, further enhance their monetary return on college football playoff format, revenue distribution, once again, players not getting any of that. When eventually I think the end game is the athletes 
Do is, is the unionize? We, we talked yes. about last week. And Dartmouth got a basically they got an extension on t- the time for their response to everything. But this is all all this stuff is going to happen eventually. And what they're looking at for expansion, they're looking to a sixteen team playoff. It would be five plus eleven, five automatic berths for league champions and eleven at large spots. Which I guess would mean sixteen teams, no buys. Mm-hmm. You, everybody would play four. Which so that is at least feasible. Is it terrible? But if you go to sixteen, then they're going to want to go to twenty. You go to twenty, they're going to want to yeah, go to like, twenty four. You, you got to stop it somewhere. And it just comes comes watered down anyway. Yes. Um. So, you know, for me, if the end game eventually is the players doing something to really have this seismic shift of of who gets it, because the money's not going away, and it's just going to the leagues, it's going to the schools, and they're just making absolute bank. And eventually, you look at the NFL, the Players Association, which we've criticized in terms of not standing up for things, they do stand up for certain things. We say maybe the wrong things, but they do have power. But the athletes in college have zero power in terms of football and basketball. But what gets them power? So I'll have to find out. Our buddy Ryan Eaton tweeting us, so we're just going to add teams that don't deserve it. Love basketball, but this will water down the tournament. And, and same in college football. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, this is not something that's going to make the TV product better. No, not at all. I mean, let's say we have a 16-team playoff, and Georgia has to go out there and play uh, Iowa, 1-16 versus 16 or something. Like, Who's interested in that? But it's money. There'll be enough people that are going to watch uh, that there's more money there. But, um, you know, the, the whole watered down thing is, is y- y- they've said it in the NCAA tournament before when it was, what was it, 32 at one point, mm-hmm. and they expanded to 64, then they expanded to 68, and if they went to 96, there'd be a conversation, but it just, um, it just never seems to be, to, to hurt the product, but when does expansion hurt the product? And I don't have the answer. I don't know. Both for basketball would, and football. I would say for football, 12 is probably the most you want for it to still be competitive and feel like you're having the best teams. You go to 16, there are a lot of teams you're just throwing in there. Well, now, it's not a lot. We're talking right. three or four that probably have no business you know, even competing for a national championship. Then on the NCAA tournament side, if they expand to, say, 96, I mean, think of all the bubble teams. That hey, maybe really the Hoosiers have, can get into the tournament. Yeah. But, like... Is that really helping the product? No. You have teams that have no business playing in a legitimate postseason tournament. I mean... And and, and remember, it's not like top non-Power 5 or Power 6, as it stands right now, conference schools are getting these extra bids either. Right. Um, I, I would say the easy move would be to combine the NCAA tournament and the NIT. If you wanted to expand to 96, it's just get rid of the NIT. But the NIT is already not helping out the small schools anymore either. Right. But you don't need the NIT if you're just going to have the, um, you know, expand the NCAA tournament. I remember last year, North Texas won the NIT, the mean green. We're not talking about a, uh, a power school, a power league. Uh, so, 
are they what? Com- uh, not I think they're Conference USA. USA. I think, aren't they? Well, it, they're double AC because that basically swallowed Conference USA. Is it even in basketball still? I think so. I think you're right. I think the Americans they they think this year was the first sim- year for that, essentially right? absorbed. Yeah. So North Texas is there. Um, Tulsa, Wichita State, uh, obviously not football for them. Uh, among some of the some of the teams, East Carolina, FAU, South Florida, Tulane, and on and on. FIU. Yeah, I just uh, I think the easy move if you want to expand is get rid of the the tournament that nobody cares about, the NIT, and just combine them, and then you expand, and then you have a reason why you say, oh, you know, blah blah blah, the, which I don't buy, but you could just expand into that realm and get rid of the NIT. We'll talk more next hour about this. I think. The the one thing that people got to remember why this has been growing as far as a charge for the last two, three years, and it's one conference in particular. We'll get to that coming up next hour. On the other side, even record ratings for the Super Bowl can't save jobs at Paramount. We'll dive into that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM, 46862, your text line number again, 46862. Had a text come in uh, talking about college football. Uh, USC not going to be soft forever, and playing the Big Ten is going to open up big-time recruiting opportunities. They get these Midwest kids on campus. Yeah, that's going to go. Also, another thought. Uh, they expanded 96 guaranteed automatic bids for both regular season or tournament winners in each conference to protect the low and mid-major teams. Uh, they're not get, the NC, Here's the thing. They don't want expansion to protect mid-major teams. That's, that's the problem. Right. They want and, it to and, get more. Something that Shirley Donovan pointed out on social media, if, you, you know, if you've ever followed him, college covers college basketball, stop having mid-majors play each other in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, which they love to do. And and uh, especially in the play-in round, mm-hmm. and uh, no, you should put mid-majors up against power schools, and and that's the thing. But it doesn't really help. This is the thing: is is mid-majors they can continue to beat these power conference teams, but that's only going to increase the desire for power conference teams to protect more of their own, because they're like, we don't want to be losing to North Texas in the tournament. You know, there should be more power schools in there because we are the the power brokers of college basketball. And so even beating them doesn't help their cause because that's going to further the desirability for the leagues to shut them out. Doesn't that just kind of go to prove that they're so desperate for control that they're too afraid? And, And we know this in regular season scheduling. We see it all the time now. They're too afraid to schedule because like, well, we don't have anything to gain. It's like, if yeah, you felt confident in your team, you'd schedule these mid-major programs that, for whatever reason, they're so afraid of. We still have in college basketball the ability of Cinderella's. We saw it as recently as last year with Florida Atlantic. And, and, and teams from non-power leagues to have a big impact on, in the NCAA tournament. We've we don't have that in college football anymore. Um, it, yes, the new format opens the door for basically one 
non-power four team to get in, but they have no, basically no chance. I mean, even when we were talking about TCU, they were in a power league. Okay. They didn't come from the Mac or the Sun Belt and get to the national championship game. The chances of a group of five league making a big impact in the college football playoff is almost nil. That's completely been eliminated based on where college football has gone in terms of the haves and the have nots. We still don't have as big of a chasm in college basketball yet. But if some of these things that are on the horizon happen, college basketball is going to become more like college football in that there are going to be haves and have nots. And naturally you're going to have more of a chance to pull upsets and stuff like that in basketball when you only need five guys on the floor at a time, as opposed to 11 on the field yeah, times it two with 22, you know, it's less expensive of a sport. You don't need as many resources. There's less cost, but of course there's also a lot more money to be made with football. Yes. And you can find diamonds in the rough and transfers and, and really great groups of, uh, of kids for it as a team that comes together where you can have runs like we've seen, like Loyola, like George Mason, like Florida Atlantic, right? Even going back to Butler, but it's that, that possibility has been completely eliminated in college football. And it's the one thing we still have in March for now in the NCAA tournament, but is it going to become less and less prevalent in the future? Well, and again, if you get rid of the Cinderella aspect, basically, like people watch the opening rounds for Cinderella. Now, mind you, if there's a team that goes deep, it's like a Cinderella team in the, in the tournament that actually hurts TV ratings, but you get them to the sweet 16, they're a TV draw. You get past that round. People aren't paying attention. It's, it's like, oh, you, the, the big brands are the ones that still sell in college basketball in the later rounds, but the first two rounds, that's where people watch for the upsets. If you're going to take that element out of it, how's that going to impact ratings? I, I guess this is something you got to be careful about, right? Just like the college football playoff you used to have these exclusive games and they get high ratings. Well, now you're going to have all these different games in different rounds. And yes, for year one, because it's new, it'll probably get big ratings, but what will it be in year number two? Right. And I mean, you look at it last year. I mean, you had San Diego State and Florida Atlantic in the first NCAA in, in the national semifinal. NCAA doesn't want that. No, they don't want San Diego State and Florida Atlantic playing. And, and the ratings in the final four. bared that out too. Right. I mean, they want UCLA and Kansas, you know, or or Duke and Kentucky. They don't want San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, and the league, the power leagues, of course, don't want that because that means their teams aren't in it. So that's kind of the issue, and you hope. That, that those Cinderella's are protected, but with, with these leagues becoming more and more powerful, they're going to be able to call the shots. And hopefully, college basketball doesn't go the way of college football in terms of the chasm between the power four in the NCAA or in college football, the power five in, in the NCAA or college basketball, and then everybody else. 46862. Again, your text line number 46862. Feel free to share your thoughts on the text line. Just put in CK before your message. So, the Super Bowl, of course, highest rated Super Bowl ever. Uh, Also, Paramount Global, which owns CBS, touted the largest gross ad revenue for a Super Bowl ever. But despite all that, they announced that about 800 people have been laid off or 3% of the workforce of Paramount Global. 
So not even record Super Bowl ratings and ad revenue can save Paramount. Isn't, well, that, isn't that shocking? And uh, I get that the Super Bowl costs a lot of money to put on, but you make so much money from the event. Now, obviously, these layoffs were already set. Yeah, I mean, they were set. They were announced. They knew me. they were coming. And Paramount is so huge. I mean, we're yes. talking 3% of their workforce. Yes. And uh, even people that were laid off were like people from CBS News and stuff mm. like that that I saw. So it's across the board. Yeah, I, I just, it's weird timing for sure. But um, I don't see one affecting the other. And, and quite frankly, it helps your bottom line, obviously, to cut 800 staffers and make all that money from the Super Bowl. Just uh, it's a weird dichotomy between those two. Yeah. But just uh, timing is everything. Yeah. Well, that's really what this is. Maybe timing not is announce it on Tuesday uh, for Paramount Global. Maybe wait till later in the week. But uh, uh, it, it uh, was unfortunate to what happened with over 800 employees yesterday. And here, here's really the real problem, and I think it brings up a bigger conversation. Paramount Plus lost a billion dollars last year. With a B. B. Now, they're way behind other streaming platforms, even Peacock, for example. Uh, streaming, they're, they're, the networks are trying to figure out streaming because, well, they want to compete with Netflix. But are we at a point where is streaming really sustainable, like long-term? I get short-term. Networks are going to throw a lot of money, you know, to get these exclusive playoff games you have amazon which they're in a different position right because they're not a media company at their core they have a, a media branch but at their core they're still a, a product company selling products as opposed to selling advertising just for tv programming so they're different but peacock's had massive losses amazon can can handle massive losses that's not going to hurt them same with apple um, for for them, that's not an issue. But Maybe Disney Plus has lost a lot of money. Yeah, Disney Plus. Yeah, you, you go on down the line. Is this like are we at a kind of a, a breaking point for streaming and sports? Because it seems like everyone wants to to shift to streaming. That's fine for those of you that that prefer it. For those of you who don't, you have cable basically is your only option now, or satellite, and that's gotten more expensive. So like what like what's the What's the point where billion-dollar losses start to become a problem for the bottom line? That's the part that I find fascinating. Well, what you're seeing, though, is we've talked about it before, is live sports is basically saving linear television. Yes. And that's why these contracts are going for so much money for live sports over the air on traditional television. It's because they are so coveted because they make money. As much as they're spending on them, they make money with advertisers and all that stuff, that money that you're not making off your stream. So ESPN paying all that money is they're not making money on ESPN plus anything like that. So that's a lucrative deal for them. CBS, same way with, with their deals. They're not making any money on Paramount plus same thing with Peacock. Um, the only I'm no business person though, but eventually don't you need to make money? Well, but that's the thing. They make money with their with their sports entities. That's why these are going for so much money. So, but if you take that away, then that's a big problem, obviously. So people keep saying, well, streaming is eventually going to catch on. And yes, it's kind of like electric cars, I feel like. Like the people that want electric cars already have electric cars, at least until the next level of technology comes where you can go further and there's more charging stuff and all that. But the majority of people that have wanted to go electric have gone electric. 
So now what? What's the next step in growth? And the same thing with with a lot of these uh, these streamers. The people that want Peacock or the people that want Paramount Plus have gotten Peacock and Paramount Plus. So now what do you do? And that's the challenge. Either you pour a crap ton of money into new programming to put on stream, and we've seen that not necessarily work. Maybe you get people for three months and then they drop it again. Or you spend a hell of a lot of money on sports properties for over-the-air linear television. And that's what we're seeing. Well, and unlike you know a streaming platform where you have to cater around the release of new shows for sports, it's just the sports season. It's it's yeah. on a schedule every year, different different time frames, depending on the sport. Yeah. So I think you're really much you're going to continue to see bidding wars for sports contracts because these networks are desperate for anything that can make money because their stream, at least in some cases, isn't making money and or it's losing a lot of money. So sports still pays when it comes to networks purchasing those rights for certain things and uh, selling the advertising that goes with it. Coming up on the other side, we'll kick off our number two, Anthony Richardson making progress. Now the Colts need to get him talent. We'll take a look at some off-season priorities for Indianapolis next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. Thanks for being with, with us here on a Wednesday coming up this hour on the show. Anthony Richardson making progress. Now the Colts need to get him some talent. Talk about off-season moves the Colts need to make. Plus, the power conferences want all NCAA control. But let's uh, remember that the NCAA is doing something that the power conferences don't want to do. We'll get to that. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't take the bait on the NFL being rigged, what he had to say um, earlier this week after the Super Bowl. But hey, what if he did embrace and lean in? (laughs) Can you imagine? And we have not one but two special stories for you at the end of the show. A stingray has found love despite not having anyone around them. We'll get to that. And uh, sad news, the inventor of Pop-Tarts has died. Terrible news. Terrible news. Yeah. You had a Pop-Tart this morning. I did. I had two. Unknowingly, oh, two. Unknowingly in honor. Now, do you toast them or do you just eat them? Depends. The brown sugar cinnamon, you got to warm them up. I'll eat them regardless, either way, yeah. but I warm them up. Uh, the fruit ones, I don't warm up. Um, and that's 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 my details on. Favorite remember, flavor? Uh, brown sugar cinnamon has yeah, to be. Yeah, that I mean, one's good. And I, I remember the, the, the day when they expanded the six packs to the eight packs. Uh, that was huge. And uh, I haven't looked back <laughs> with Pop-Tarts. You're still eating them. I'm still eating Pop Tarts. I get them occasionally. Like toasted, they're good in the morning, but any other time of day, I guess I don't want them toasted. Correct. Um, I, I can do toasted with brown sugar cinnamon anytime during the day, but if you're grabbing like a strawberry, a pair of strawberry at one o'clock in the afternoon, I don't think you're worried about no. toasting them. No, anything. you're just grabbing them. The one thing I have learned though is trying to eat Pop Tarts in the car. You think, oh, I'll just grab and go. It's very they're messy. The, they are the worst. Yeah. In terms of trying to the eat little pieces yes. break everywhere, get yes. all over you. Yeah. Like I'll get up out of my seat and I'm like, oh, what the hell? I just, all this. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best to eat in the car for sure. You got to vacuum that up. I do. Uh, it's spring. Once we get a spring cleaning, I'll get the car detailed. <laughs> 
So Anthony Richardson throwing again for the Colts. He's throwing in Jacksonville. He was cleared by doctors, had a throwing session yesterday. Uh, He's uh, reportedly six to eight weeks ahead of schedule after surgery on his shoulder after suffering an AC joint shoulder sprain in week five against the Titans uh, last season. So the Colts obviously think and believe they have their franchise quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He's got to continue to get healthy, and and he's tracking well ahead of schedule on that. So that's a positive sign. Um, Perhaps you wonder, could he be ready for like the the – Mini camp and, and OTAs post draft. You think that's probably pretty realistic at this point? We shall see. Um, but obviously, priority number one, getting him healthy. Beyond that, though, they got to get him some talent. We got to re-sign Michael Pittman Jr. You probably could franchise tag him at this point, but you got to give him his security blanket, and that's what Michael Pittman Jr. has become. You have a good slot receiver in Josh Downs. You're still waiting for Alec Pierce to break out, but it seemed like Richardson could make the most of Pierce, unlike any other quarterback since Pierce has been in Indy, and that's a positive sign. And then you get to the the position where the Colts are showing up on a lot of draft boards, and, and that's a tight end in Brock Bowers. Now, the Colts pick 15th. I'm convinced that Brock Bowers probably goes in the top 10. I just, I don't believe he's going to fall all the way. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Tough for him to slide all the way to 15. Maybe the the high teens, you know, the 11, 12, maybe at at best or at worst, however you want to look at it. But Brock Bowers, I mean, he's, he's, he's too good of a prospect at tight end, best prospect at tight end since Kyle Pitts. Um, I know Notre Dame fans are probably upset that I exclude Michael Mayer, but that's just the truth. Um, the, the Colts have a million tight ends on this roster. Jelani Woods was on IR last season. Mo Alley Cox, Kylan Granson, right? They have a bunch of guys and maybe they could be something. Woods had a bunch of touchdowns his rookie year, but that was about all he did. Um, lost season I, last year. Yeah. I still feel like if Brock Bowers, if you can get him, you go get him. He's that big of a talent and he would be a, a, a game changing player. Yes. And look, Let's also not kid ourselves. Great teams in the NFL not only have number one wide receivers these days, they also often have elite tight ends. Right? I mean, you don't have to go any further than the Super Bowl looking at it with Kelsey and and George Kittle. And so I I do think the Colts have a lot of tight ends, but they don't have an NFL number one, a game-breaking tight end at all. I mean, you look at across the league and the team, the teams that do. You look at Kelsey. You look at Kittle. You look at Mark Andrews. I think you look at um, T.J. Hawkinson from uh, Minnesota is one of those guys. Uh, I think Atlanta still thinks that Kyle Pitts can be that dude. I think we've saw Sam Laporta take that step with the Lions. David Njoku with the Browns this year. Cole Komet with the Bears. Yes, I, the Colts just don't have that. They have a bunch of old school lumbering tight ends. Basically, is what they have. I think this is a very pivotal off season for the Colts. And I know it's easy to say because you could say it every year, but this is a team that we looked at last year and said, "Wow, they're ahead of schedule." But Anthony Richardson isn't just the only question. Who do you bring back? Kenny Moore, he could walk. Julian Blackman, he can walk. Michael Pittman Jr., who you mentioned, he can walk. What do you do with Gardner Minshew? Zach Moss, is he a guy you bring back? Oh, Grover Stewart as well in the trenches. Uh, These decisions and who comes back and who doesn't is going to dictate a lot of what 
the Indianapolis Colts have to replace in free agency and the draft and whether this arrow continues to point up in 2024 or not. Now, I, I say Michael Pittman Jr., he's coming back. I'd be shocked if, if he wasn't coming back. That They'll make that happen. Beyond that, Gardner Minshew, you and I both said, yeah, the Colts need to make every effort to bring him back, but the reality is I, I think the Pro Bowl nod changed the market for him, and I would be surprised if he's back in Indianapolis for next season. He Anything comparable money from anybody out there, he's going to go there if they're saying you're going to get first shot at QB1 because he's not getting that in Indianapolis. No. So it's going to make a lot of sense for Gardner Minshew to go somewhere else if he's offered that opportunity. But there are a lot of personnel decisions that the Colts have to make that is going to dictate what this team looks like next year outside of Anthony Richardson. And then you have to look at the offensive line so they still need to upgrade there. Do you put an onus on that position despite all the money you have invested in that because you have to make sure that Anthony Richardson stays healthy? That's a decision too. Well, and and we talk about upgrading tight end, right? You feel like they still need another wide receiver, and that's even if they re-sign Michael Pittman Jr. But defensively, I mean, yes, offensively you got to have a quarterback, and the Colts at least are in a spot where they feel like they have their guy. Yes, he's unproven. That's a better spot than being like with the Bears where you just don't know what to do. Yeah. You're, where you're probably better off going after another quarterback and hitting reset. And if they do that, then again, they're in a good spot because it buys them another three years to figure it out. But then defensively, too, a lot of focus, and rightfully so, is on having an elite quarterback. You check that box, you can do a lot of things. But defensively, the Colts have some work to do. Yes, they had a, a a record sack season. They set a franchise record for sacks last season, but they still need better edge rushers, right? Yes, they had four players with eight sacks or more, but they don't have an elite edge rusher on this roster. Um, the secondary was obviously a liability last year. You bring back Kenny Moore. If Juju Brents can stay healthy, you probably feel a lot better, but you still probably want to sign another corner, let alone make sure you're okay at safety. Uh, linebackers, like, an interior defensive line are probably the two position groups where we feel pretty good about moving forward. And and talk about linebackers, I mean, Desire Franklin get an extension after the season he had. You're looking at those safeties that right now, if Julian Blackman walks, your safety starters are Nick Cross and Rodney Thomas II. Yeah. You feeling pretty good about that? Because no. I ain't if I'm a Colts, Colts fan, but that's the big thing for Indianapolis and in trying to figure out what the priorities are because they're not going to get all of this done. So if we're trying to get behind the scene, behind the curtain and kind of look at it, what do we think the Colts' top priorities are? Are they protecting Anthony Richardson? Is that the top priority? Is it getting an edge rusher? Could they go after like a Chase Young that's set to hit free agency and get a guy that can, that can get to the quarterback consistently? And we saw with Montez Sweat with Chicago last year is adding a guy of that caliber – can upgrade everybody along your defensive front and help not just the guy opposite of you on the other side at end, but also those interior linemen as well. Is it for the Colts? Is it shoring up that secondary? Is it making sure you have a quarterback like Minshew to back up Anthony Richardson if and when he gets the nod? So there's so many questions with the Colts. What we don't have the answers to are what are the priorities for the Colts front office right now? That's where it comes down to Chris Ballard. Someone texting in at 46862. 
In my opinion, the biggest limiter of Anthony Richardson's development as a franchise quarterback will be Chris Ballard. Again, I have to give Chris Ballard credit, though, because he went from the Colts just trying plug-and-play at quarterback, right? Year after year, it wasn't working post-Andrew Luck, and they finally, finally made the move to draft a potential franchise quarterback. And we saw glimpses of that last season. And yes, the bulk of the success was under Gardner Minshew, but the offense clearly had a different level in the limited time that Anthony Richardson was playing last season. It definitely adds a different dimension to what you can do offensively with Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson. Uh, I think when you look at the offensive front, you say there's a lot of money invested there. Blake Freeland struggled as a rookie. I think Wesley French was pretty solid uh, in replacement of Ryan Kelly when he was hurt. But I think maybe bringing in a couple veterans would be the best move for the Colts, not necessarily another highly drafted rookie. So there, there's just there's so many things out there for the Colts, and I think the biggest thing is is the season you had had so much promise that you have to make sure you bring back the guys that help you take that next step and don't bring back the guys that aren't going to do that. The Colts aren't up against the cap whatsoever. They have plenty of cap space. Yeah, over, so that's not a problem. Over 66 million. Like they're one of the top teams in the NFL right now in terms of cap space. So spending isn't an issue, or it shouldn't be an issue, at least, for the Indianapolis Colts, whether it's uh, resigning existing free agents, whether it's extending Isaiah Franklin, whether it's throwing big money to try to get a Chase Young in free agency. I think the Colts need to be aggressive, but they need to be aggressive in the right ways. And it's impossible to tell whether or what the front office is thinking and whether or not those are going to be the right decisions until we get into next season. Okay, assuming they either tag or re-sign Michael Pittman Jr., which I think we all think is all but a lock. Okay. Right? Beyond that, who is who is the next most likely person to be back? Most likely or most yeah. important? You're saying most likely to be back? Yes, most likely versus uh, uh, we'll do most likely then most important. Okay, uh, most likely to be back. I feel like it's Kenny Moore. Interesting. I, I would say Grover Stewart. I, I that's a great point too. I, but but I think that secondary is in such need of some sort of 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 veteran presence that I think Kenny Moore gets. I think Grover Stewart makes a lot of sense too. I I would say one A one B with those two guys. The most important is Gardner Minshew. If you have any opportunity to re-sign him, you do it. And I don't know if that opportunity is going to be there because other teams are going to be sniffing around him for a potential QB one spot. I I would tend to agree with agree with you on Gardner Minshew, but post Pro Bowl, I just know that's not happening. So I also think that Grover Stewart is the guy because he is an elite level interior defensive lineman. Look, the Colts have something that a lot of teams in the NFL don't have. That's an elite interior defensive line. You couple him with DeForest Buckner. All you got to do, you pair an elite edge rusher, whether it's someone on the roster who who develops into that or you work free agency, you have a formidable shot because your defense just got that much better. Remember, he missed a lot of games last season. Right. That's suspension. Text lines 46862, uh, CK Colts need desperate help on the back end of that defense. I agree, 
but it doesn't necessarily have to come in the secondary because if you upgrade up front on the edge in particular, and you can get consistent pressure on the quarterback, that helps that secondary, right? They're only defending guys for three seconds as opposed to five or six seconds. So would it be a walk or how would you favor this? If Grover Stewart walked, but you brought in Chase Young. You take it because you get an elite edge rusher. I mean, outside of quarterback and having an elite quarterback in the NFL, an elite edge rusher to me is probably the second most important position. And I think that helps your secondary as much as any signing you could make in the secondary is just be getting a guy that can get to the quarterback and it helps your other edge rushers as well. So, so many different decisions that the Indianapolis Colts need to make and it's going to dictate where this team is next season and what their priorities are may not align with, with our, our thoughts on priorities. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, CK, Chris Ballard has only prioritized a modern football position one time in his tenure. That was last year with quarterback. I don't have confidence. That's a trend. It's an interesting point. It's, I mean, it's true, right? It's He's true. throwing money at linebackers and guards. And, and yes, they were elite players. It, it, Quentin Nelson's still an elite player. Obviously, it didn't work out with Shaq Leonard due to injuries, but he was an elite player. Before his injury, yeah. Before injuries. But it's true. I mean, you can't deny that aspect. And I think it's a fair assessment to say they're not convinced that Chris Ballard gets it now as opposed to what's important and it's, what's not so important. It's a fine balance between saying, yes, he made one move that people generally agree with by drafting a quarterback and getting someone that we think has the potential to be a franchise quarterback for the, for this team but that doesn't also take away from the fact of the the poor investments made. I mean, think about the Colts offensive line, all the injuries they had last season. The fact that right. they've kind of underperformed for a couple years now. Uh, investing a lot of money in a running back. Yes, it's a short-term deal and it aligns with Richardson's contract. So you, you can at least stomach that. But was it really necessary, right, long-term? Especially having a more mobile quarterback where your running game should help take care of itself. I mean, look, the Bills don't have a, much of a running game. They developed it late last season. Uh, the Chiefs don't have much of a running game. They have a, a running back who can get them something, and the fact that Mahomes can also scramble. I mean, it's Richardson's kind of the same thing, where he's going to scramble and get you 50, 60 yards a game. So how important is it having an elite running back? It's really not that important. Yeah, you know how I feel about running backs yeah. in the NFL. Uh Here's another question for you. When you look at Shane Steichen, how much uh, impact or how much say do you feel he has in terms of who's who the Colts are going to go after? Do you feel like he has the ear of Chris Ballard more than Frank Reich did? Um, I mean, I guess early on because of Gardner Minshew working out so well, that certainly helps his case because yes. that was uh, obviously a a Steichen move. I, I I feel almost like I feel like Steichen, you have to earn that that yeah, kind of respect. And I'm wondering if has he earned it or has was that something that from the outset Shane Steichen said I'd I'd like to be in on these some of these personnel decisions. I, I don't know what the dichotomy is and the dynamic is between those two guys. I'm just wondering if if Shane Steichen has his say. I think it's all going to revolve around quarterback right? because he knows it's the most important position in football. But if Chris Ballard is of the opinion. 
uh, that he's going to, like he has traditionally done, uh, that could be a detriment to the Colts in the offseason. CK, are you guys concerned at all in Richardson's playing style? We clearly saw the impact of it this year, and I believe he's come out and said he's not changing the way he plays. You're shaking your head. No, no. no. Look, he'll figure it out. Um, it's not like he is so thin like a Robert Griffin III, right, or a Bryce Young that I'm concerned about it. He'll figure it out. We'll be okay. I guess, like, you can't go off of, what, four, four games, games uh-huh. in a rookie season and just say, oh, he's injury-plagued. He's he's injury-prone. That's That's his career. Like, come on. You can't write a narrative in four games. If you're if you're already like jumping to that conclusion, pump the brakes. Let's see how year two goes. If he gets a season-ending injury early in the year, yeah, maybe I'll start to buy that conversation. But n- no, we're nowhere close. So you have zero concerns right now, right now no. of how Anthony Richardson no. plays. Oh, it was one year. People uh, get injured all the time. Yeah, I do think Shane Steichen should have a conversation with him. But like, you have to be smart. Yeah, he's got to slide. You have to be smarter. And he's got to run out of bounds, right, and avoid contact. Right. But, like, he was also a rookie, and, and you know, you're trying to fight for extra yards. You're, you're trying to do things, and you're you, you're learning on the job. That's what he was doing. And hopefully in year two, we see more sliding. We see more running out of bounds. I, he'll figure it out. I, I guess I'm not that concerned. We will see. Are, are you? Um, I'm, I'm not as concerned as others, but there's a slight concern there i don't not saying that he's injury prone my more thing is if he's going to continue to be reckless with his body he could continue to suffer injuries that's my thing i'm not ready to say he's injury prone but i'm also of the opinion that he needs to kind of change some of the things he does to protect himself a little bit more and i think he can get there yeah well and i guess i feel like these are all fixable things yeah I don't, That's I, why I'm not that worried about. He can still be aggressive and and putting your shoulder down and all that stuff in the right situations, but when it's you know third and eighteen and he's scrambling and he puts his head down to try to make an extra yard to make it fourth and twelve, he's like you don't need to be doing that. You know, run out of bounds or just go down or slide. So it's all about when you do those things, and I think that comes with maturity and experience. And I expect Anthony Richardson to be better at that in 2024. Think about one of the concussions he suffered. It was after a touchdown, his head hitting the turf in the end zone. It's just like a freak play. So I, I guess like I'm I'm not that worried about this. Not I understand that's the narrative that fans have, but we're talking about four games. Let's wait and see how year two goes before drawing any major conclusion. Coming up on the other side, the power conferences want all the NCAA control, but of course. They want that without the ramifications that come with it. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. I thought I pushed play on the rejoin. <laughs> Guess I didn't. Bit of a delay. Yeah. But so, add, add it to the dramatic effect. Yes. We're still here. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. If you have thoughts on NCAA tournament or college football playoff expansion, uh, this is your time to reach out to us. The power conferences want all the NCAA control. In fact, uh, they're in discussions. The leaders of some of these major conferences try to expand the tournament, try to expand the college football playoff. We talked about an hour number one. There's no number attached to what the NCAA tournament expansion would look like. 
But for the college football playoff, they want to go from 12 to 16, which would, we presume, take away the first round buys. Makes sense, but let's wait and see how 12 goes first. You're going from 4 to 12. You skip past 8. At some point, you're watering down the product, and, and having much more than 12 seems like you're, you're doing that because there aren't that many teams that are even capable of winning a national championship. I mean, there's... Any given year, we're lucky to have... Four. four. <laughs> That's and why it, the 14 playoff yeah. works so well. And, and four is a stretch, right? Really, it's maybe two or at most three of those teams you feel like has a legit shot. That's my thing. As much as I'm looking forward to the college football playoff, do I think anybody lower than five has a chance to win a national championship? No. Uh, a great point was made. It may have been Pete Sampson, uh, who covers Notre Dame, has covered Notre Dame for a long time, is Notre Dame hasn't won a major bowl game in 30 years. Yeah. And to win a national champion, even to get to the national championship game, they'll effectively have to win three major bowl games, at least in terms of the opponent, to even get to the national title game. Because, of course, they can't get a bye, which is, we've talked about it, which is so absurd that I, I'm, people continue to just gloss over that fact that Notre Dame does not get a bye in the Yeah, but they get to playoff. host a home yeah, game. Whatever. After students have left. <laughs> Stupid. In early December. And you have a bunch of freezing. Trust me, I've been to a fair amount of Notre Dame games, okay, where plenty of people just sit on their hands. Yeah, because okay? it's so cold. Oh, yeah, it's so cold. It's like, it's not corporate, but it's just very much people that are there for the experience as opposed to fa- true fans, like wild fans that will stand up the entire time and cheer like, you go to the SEC country and all this stuff where nobody's sitting down the entire time and all stuff like that. It's just Notre Dame Stadium is not an intimidating place to play. And, and what I get to, and 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 the fact that they're 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 putting so much on hosting a playoff game where the students are gone and it's not even an intimidating place to play anyway when the students are there, is just kind of silly. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so. Expansion for that would be, you know, you look at two at-large bids, right, for each conference, and then probably a couple other, you know, as far as, sorry, two at-large, or two automatic, that's what I'm trying to yes. say, two automatic bids for each conference, so it'd be like, what, eight plus eight, because right now they're trying yeah. to ratify the five plus seven, which is a shift from the six plus six. Right. Uh, but the five plus seven, which they'll vote on it next week on Tuesday. But with with all of this expansion talk, notice how it's the conferences leading that discussion because the more teams they get in, the more money they get. the The power six as it stands now in college basketball. When you add in the Big East, they get seventy percent of the two hundred million dollars in units that are doled out to conferences. You know, from the NCAA tournament as far as the the winnings from that so they want all the money but here's the thing i'm still not convinced they actually want the responsibility they still want the ncaa as their punching bag and just want more power uh more power teams in there but here's the factor that we can't ignore especially with the ncaa tournament and we're going to see this with the college football playoff this year if that if this reigns true we already had blowouts right seemingly every year in the college football playoff this year was one of the, the few times both semifinals have been competitive. That hasn't been the case for most of the history of the college football playoff. More teams is only going to water it down. Like, we're, we're going to have 
more teams that aren't even close to being national championship contenders when you're talking college football playoff already in this year. And then on the basketball side, you're going to have bubble teams that are making the tournament if they expand it greatly. And, and it's all because, A, the athletic directors and the coaches of those power conferences, they want to make sure they, they get theirs. But here's the thing, like you still have to earn it. And they, they want a system where they don't have to earn anything. All these coaches who are harping on, oh, yeah, let's, let's put in 96 teams. Yeah, it's because they're bubble team coaches every year. Jim Beheim, <laughs> bubble team coach, uh, and he's retired now. But he was one of the people leading this charge. And it was all ACC people. And it wasn't the Dukes and the North Carolinas yeah, either was, that we're talking about. the Florida States and yeah. the Syracuses and stuff yeah. like that. The teams that, yeah, if they get Virginia a good team Tech. every few years, but most of the time they're Miami. on the bubble. Yeah. There's a reason for that. It's because they're trying to protect their job. And if you can't make the NCAA tournament uh, in one of those conferences and you have a, a, a school that at least cares an inkling about college basketball, there really isn't an, an excuse, right? Like for Indiana Mike Woodson, there's no excuse to well, not you be can, making the tournament. Right. I mean, you, well, and, and credit, and you look at that, and I think that's why coaches are for this, is because you say you made the NCAA tournament. It's job protection. Absolutely it is. Look, you get raises at Indiana for making the NCAA tournament. So, of course, every they want maximum amount of teams to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, in terms of power conferences, because you're going to keep your job more often than not if you're making the NCAA tournament, even if it's 96 teams in it, and and basically a third uh, or a fourth of all of Division One basketball at this point. Going over back over to college football real quick, and you look at the potential, even if they go to a six-six model or an eight-eight model, or even like an eight. Uh, four model or something and protect two teams per power four league, which is what they want to do. It completely marginalizes the conference championship game it means nothing. Like why would, and I think you're going to see this because we see it in the NFL. You get into week 17, week 18 teams are resting players. They can't move up or down and then playoff. They've clinched the division, blah, blah, blah. You're going to start seeing that in college football. And I don't necessarily, I don't have a problem with it, but I know people will cry foul, but some of these teams are going to start resting players late in the season because they're locked in or even in the conference championship game. If we go to that, let's say Georgia and Alabama are in the conference championship game in the sec and both are assured to get into the college football playoff. What's the incentive for them to go all out that conference championship game, particularly by that's the incentive. True. But let's say, but yeah, but it's like, I'd rather rest. If, if I'm in that game, let's say if I'm LSU and Jaden Daniels, like I'm resting my Heisman Trophy winner as opposed to that, especially if you are a seven seed right now anyway. Like, what can you gain? And I think that's what you're going to see more and more in college football. The more you expand the playoff, the, 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 the direct uh, effect is marginalizing the regular season to an extent. I think you are going to see a point if the college football playoff continues to expand where teams come out and they're like, you know, we're, we're not playing our top seven, eight, nine best players in this game. There's no reason to. You already have a, a setup moving forward where teams aren't going to schedule tough in the non-conference because their conference schedule is tough enough as it is. Now, the schedules are on the books for a few years, so it's going to take a bit for that shift to happen. We're already seeing it. Yeah. I mean, Indiana's dropping, you know, 
power schools in their non-conference schedule so they can get three easy wins and try to put themselves in position to make a bowl game moving forward. Right. Now, that could change because that was done with a previous regime as, as head coach, but that's the reality. Like, Purdue has actually overscheduled themselves. They have Oregon State. They have Notre Dame coming up this season. Like, you don't need to be playing those games anymore. Now, Oregon State is actually going to be less of a program now because they've, they're taking a step down and lost a lot of people in the portal, lost their head coach. Right. That benefits Purdue. But, like, there's there's really no benefit to schedule hard. I mean, play an FCS school and, and a MAC school and someone else and be done with it. And be done, yeah. Like, that. that's the reality. So you've already watered that down uh, in terms of college football. And I, I guess my biggest thing in all of this, as far as the power conferences and now it's the power four in football, the power five in basketball, because you have to include the Big East in those conversations, rightfully so. But the the NCAA is still the one that is doing all the behind-the-scenes dirty work that the conferences have never, ever, ever shown any inkling of wanting to do. And it's the liability factor I just can't get past, that you have, yeah, it's easy for these conferences to talk a big game, but when it comes to dealing with, you know... It, enforcement of rules like power conferences have no desire for any of that stuff and the court battles all that stuff right and that's why i just i find it hilarious that they want all this control but the stuff that actually is part of that the the boring stuff right the enforcement of the rules and the different you know setting schedules all these things they have no desire for that, and that's why I just I find it funny that they they say they want all this control, they want all this expansion. That's great, but until you actually want to take on the entire role, and and, and until college football splits off from the NCAA, I, I guess I'm just gonna find this to be it's all talk because they're not gonna take any responsibility for anything. Well, they want the money, not the responsibility. Yeah, right. We know. But you 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 can't have both. Right. I mean, and no. with the NCAA, they have the money and the responsibility, when, it, especially when it comes to the tournament. Now, they don't have that necessarily in college football. But the college football playoff could break off, and we have all this talk, right, about the top 64 or 32 teams, right, splitting off. Well, they could do that anytime. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm sick and tired of these conference commissioners and all this talk, right, because they, it's great and it sounds great, but they keep eating each other when it comes to, to bringing apart and Pretty soon, it will just be the the top thirty two teams. That's what we're headed toward, right? Uh, a, a top two conference league, basically, with all the power schools in there. And then on the basketball doing. side, you have these loser coaches who can't even make a tournament, saying, "Oh Losers. yeah, we got we got to we got to expand." Yeah, because you got to keep your job. <laughs> I mean, get real. And uh, the, the programs want or the schools want to do it. Like, hey, more money. And the NCAA is like, hey, more money in the NCAA tournament. But uh, I've always said the NCAA tournament is the only postseason tournament in sport that gets less exciting as it goes on. The first weekend, the first four days are amazing. And then you have diminishing returns after that. And if you expand it, you just further lessen that. It, It once again becomes early on. And then as you get into the to the to the last several rounds, there's excitement for sure, but we're not talking all day excitement. Oh my gosh, look at this 14 seed that's leading. Got to turn it over there. Then I got to go over here. Then this and this game start and blah blah. Like it, those four days are the best part of the NCAA tournament. And if you expand it, 
then I guess maybe you're expanding the amount of days on the front end that are quote unquote exciting, but it doesn't help the back end whatsoever. No. One of my things is always less is more. And I feel like we're at this point, like the NFL is going to probably expand again, right in the playoffs. Let's not get ourselves. But at some point, like you have the NBA where you have for quite some time, eight seeds with losing records playing in the playoffs. And sometimes like what, you have seven seeds with yeah, losing records. Like, like what's the point of that? And I guess that's my fear with expansion for the college football playoff. Not that you're going to have teams with losing records. That's not the case here. And, and certainly not the case in the NCAA tournament outside of, you know, those AQ teams that go on a monster conference tournament run, which happens from time to time. That's not the issue, but it's just you're adding more. You're watering down your product, making it worse. Yes, all for the sake of money. But at some point, you 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 have to balance that. And we're starting to what they're proposing would cause an imbalance. Uh, they're in the more and more more is more philosophy. Right yes, now. not and less certainly. Coming up on the other side, Patrick Mahomes didn't take the bait. I'm being asked if the NFL was rigged. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Wrap it up here on a Wednesday. Caleb sound effects and at the Kenny beginning in the of this Pink Floyd ga- yeah. song. There it is. There we go. All right, yeah, we're back. S- slow intro. Slow intro. <laughs> <laughs> you try to mix it up and... Then you get burned, yeah, right? Yeah, that's when you get burned. <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes uh, was on CNN talking with Abby Phillip while he was at Disneyland and he was asked about, of course they had to get political and we're not going to talk about that, but you know, as far as the questions that the Super Bowl was rigged for Taylor Swift and all this stuff, he, he gets into it. Here's what he had to say in response. Yeah, it's been wild to see. I mean, I try to focus in on football as much as possible, but there's always some conspiracy theories out there. I just try to enjoy football, my family, and uh, I kind of stay off social media as much as possible. Yeah, that's, um, I, I would say that that is wise. <laughs> Says the person that yeah. asked the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. One, staying off social media. Check. That's smart. Yeah. Uh, also, two, I think he's just trying to get through these interviews, but if he was having some fun, I mean, he, he should have said like, yeah, I actually saw the script before the game and I made a few <laughs> I edits. Approved, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made a few edits and then approved it. It originally uh, said we weren't going to go into overtime, but yeah. I added that, you know, <laughs> and, and saying it tongue in cheek, but to, to have people actually have that and to go off, I'd be like, see the NFL is rigged after all. I mean, that would, that would be, be incredible. It'd be, be so funny. Missed First, opportunity. Uh, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes had slept. Before yeah, that interview, he looks pretty rough. Uh, or he was hungover. I don't know, but uh, he's got to be like this. Is this is what I got out for? Yeah, like seriously. Yeah. But people uh, asking me if it's rigged. Yeah, this is stupid. <laughs> uh, that said, of course, don't forget you can always follow us on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Kitty thirteen eighty on Twitter slash X. That's the show handle. My handle is Caleb Hatch. Justin's is J Kenny OPS. So yeah, S- social media net bad. Yes, but we're all on it. We can't help ourselves. Yeah, just you know, limit yourself. Limit yourself from a certain amount of absurdity per day. Yes. Per day. All right. So, not one but two final stories of the day, and we start. They've a. You want to go happy first or sad first? Let's get the sad out of the way. Okay. Let's get the sad out of the way. That's that's probably a, a good call. So, the inventor of the pop tart has died. Ninety six years old uh, from Grand Rapids. Uh, William, who went by Bill Post. Died February 10th. He was a Keebler plant manager 
in Grand Rapids in the early 1960s. He was approached by executives at cereal giant Kellogg's to create a breakfast food for the toaster. Uh, he and a team of coworkers developed the early versions of something he called fruit scones. They soon became Pop-Tarts. Uh, instant hit when they were test marketed in Cleveland in 1963. Wow. Been that old, huh? Yeah. Amazing. He, uh, a job well done, lived a long life and invented the pop tart. And again, I think it's funny that, uh, post his last name post, uh-huh. you know, went to Kellogg's too. Oh yes. <laughs> because he Traitor. had serial rivals there, <laughs> uh, in, in that area. But I just find that fascinating. Um, but, uh, yeah. I think so, General Mills didn't get involved. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so we go from that to more of a Valentine's Day story. A stingray with no male companion has managed to get pregnant. Charlotte, who is a rust-colored stingray uh, size of a serving platter, uh, has been in North Carolina's Appalachian Mountains in an, in, a, in, a, in an aquarium there. So over 2,300 miles from her natural habitat. Um, and she hasn't shared a tank of water with a male of her species in at least eight years. But she's pregnant with as many as four pups could give birth in the next two weeks. <laughs> now, there are there is a suspect. Yes. In this. There's so, a, a possibility. Yes. So stingrays have been known to reproduce asexually without a without a partner. But there's also two young white spot bamboo sharks that were moved into Charlotte's tank last July that could have knocked up the stingray. Could. What are those babies going to look like? Yeah, I don't know. It's This whole thing is fascinating. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if we'll have a hybrid stingray shark come out or if uh, Charlotte's uh, reproductive system went to work because there were no males in the tank and uh, got herself pregnant. So this aquarium in the Blue Ridge Mountains in rural North Carolina... As this very rare occurrence, they're hoping to set up a, a live stream. This, this could be... Remember the giraffe the, live stream or whatever? For the for the birth? I guess, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Uh, but th- this is watch. just a wild occurrence. And we'll see what, what they find you know, after the fact. Because they'll, they'll get a lot of answers to some questions. I, I would hope so. And I don't know if they've talked to these, uh, these uh, bamboo sharks, get their side of the story. You never know what those sharks are always up to something. So <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Very <laughs> bizarre. All right. That does it for us. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Dane Patrick coming up next. Colin Cowherd at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle at 3. And the Sports Rush from 4 to 6 with Brett Rump. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.